123. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He is the solid rock. Amen. 423, as we get started this morning, the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I Trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found. Sting his righteousness alone, faults less to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus and page 534, 534. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the same Jesus, how I trust Him, how I pray. 
Father, we come before you this morning, and once again, Lord, we seek your blessings. We admit our inability to uh, help ourselves, and Lord, we come to you asking for you to show us from your word how we should live for you. Give us grace, give us encouragement, give us strength that we may live lives that will lift up your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Now let's turn to page 51, page 51, Blessed Assurance. Let's turn to page 247, 247, words of the song say, fill me now.
question this morning, are you happy to be in the house of God? Amen. Amen. If you are happy to be in this house of God, we ought to be in prayerfully in our seats asking the Holy Spirit of God to fill us now with his wisdom and understanding that he might preach through our pastor. Amen. We need to hear from God this morning. And if we want to hear from God, let's prayerfully sing this song with these next verses out of our hearts. Amen. Let's sing these next three. Thou canst fill me with spirit, though I cannot tell thee how, but I need thee, greatly need thee. Come, oh, come and fill me now, fill me now, fill me now. Jesus, come and fill me. Just before we dismiss for the children's church, we're going to have uh, Rhoda and Lawinna, if they'll come up here, and they're going to sing a special for us this morning. Great is thy faithfulness.
take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 126. Children, all of those 12 and under, we'll let you be dismissed at this time for the children's church. And uh, there we go. Wow, good crowd today. Okay, page one, uh, Psalm 126. We're just going to read through the whole psalm as we begin this morning. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord as streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We look at this psalm, and uh, if your Bible has the notations in there, it says a song of degrees. And uh, you'll notice as you get to the end of Psalms, there's a whole bunch of these songs of degrees. And really where they came from was as the people would uh, climb the mountain to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, there was a pathway. It wasn't, you know, climbing up the side of the mountain. But Jerusalem was on top of a mountain. And any time you went to Jerusalem or go to Jerusalem, even to this day, you have to go up. To Jerusalem. That's why in the Bible it always says they went up to Jerusalem or came down from it because it was on top of a mountain. And as the children of Israel would gather for the feast, you would have literally tens of thousands of people traveling those roads and they would sing these songs of degrees and they had all these traditions and I'm not sure that we remember or know that many of them even today, but there were certain songs that were supposed to be sung as you got higher and higher and closer to the city of Jerusalem. And uh, this was one of those songs that they sang and, and uh, if you could only picture in your mind as these thousands of people traveling literally from all over the world would begin to congregate into groups, and as they approached Jerusalem, they would start singing these psalms. And so it's a psalm of remembrance. It is remembering back 
to the times when God had done great things for the children of Israel. Their history was simply this. They had served God. God had given them this land, the land that they have today, the land of Israel. They had sinned against God, worshipped false gods. God sent the Assyrians in to take away the northern tribes of Israel. And by the way, they didn't end up in England, all right? Uh, if anybody's listened to that kook named Herbert W. Armstrong, they didn't end up there. Uh, you say, well, where are they? Uh, well, I can tell you where they are today. They're living in the land of Israel. Amen. Uh, the ones that kept going through the same peoples. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar came and took and sacked the city of Jerusalem and the two southern tribes. And of course, there were elements of all the tribes living in the land of Judah when that happened. For a period of about 70 years, they were held captive in the land of Babylon, modern-day Iraq. Then the Persians took over the Babylonian Empire and sent the children of Israel back to rebuild their land. And that's what this talking about here. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, says, we were like them that dream. Could you imagine? Zerubbabel was the leader. And they went back to the city of Jerusalem, the city of their forefathers, and they began to rebuild the temple. And they put that temple back and there was a lot of struggle there. But it says, then our mouth was filled with laughter. And if you'll read the story in the book of Ezra, as Ezra tells the, the story of the rebuilding, it said that the ancient men who had seen the first temple, I mean, these guys had to have been in their 80s and 90s. And, and and possibly over a hundred years old. It had been 70 years since the temple had been destroyed. And they saw the foundation laid for the new temple. How many remember what they did? They wept. Because when they compared the new, the new temple that was being built to what they had seen when they lived in the city of Jerusalem before the destruction... It was like nothing in comparison. But the young men, when they saw the temple, they shouted for joy because there would be a temple again where the sacrifices would be offered. And you read in the book of Ezra and it says that the noise was heard afar off. I mean, it was just a total confusion. And yet this uh, the, the prophets came and told the old men not to weep because the glory of this temple that looks like nothing in your eyes is going to be greater than the temple that Solomon built. And you say, how was that? That was the temple in which our Lord and Savior actually walked in and actually stood and taught in and sat on the steps of that temple and on the day that he rode the little donkey through Jerusalem, we call it Palm Sunday, he sat on the, te the steps of the temple and all the people crowded in and sang Hosanna to the Son of David. The glory of the second temple was truly greater than the first because Jesus Christ himself 
stood in that temple. And they're singing this song. It says, Then was our mouth filled with laughter, our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. It is true even today. This was not that all awful long ago, about 50 years ago. There was some great man talking to a preacher. He was a leader of some kind. And he said, he said, I would like some proof that the Bible is real. And the man looked at him and said, I can give you proof in one word. Israel. No people removed from their land for such a period of time has ever returned to the land of their nativity. Never happened in history. But it has with the Jews. You wonder why the whole world wants that city? It's because they hate the God and the plan of this book called the Bible. That's the simple truth of it. But the Lord hath done great things for them. Amen. But did you get the next verse? The Lord hath done great things for who? For us. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Now that takes this old psalm and that puts it right here in modern day. Has not the Lord done great things for us? If you're saved today, there's no greater thing that can be done in your life than your sins are forgiven. And you have the assurance that heaven is your home. We assemble together in the name of Jesus Christ as the body of Christ, a church, to worship the Creator God of the universe. And most of us, praise God, we have a few of Jewish heritage here today, but most of us in here are Gentiles. We are the wild olive branch that God has grafted in to the tree. Is that not great things? Amen. Does that make you glad? It's okay to say amen. The more you say amen, the shorter the sermon's going to be. Amen. <laughs> then comes verse 4. It says, Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now, we can go through all of history and come to different times when the land of Israel has been under domination of all of that. But what I want to do this morning is just kind of skip over the history and, and get to the application. There are times in all of our life when we get bound up in trying to live for God. You ever felt like you've been captive? You ever felt like the world is winning and you are losing? You say, no, I've never felt like that. Well, uh, I have some bad news for you. You probably will sometime or another. I mean, it's just human nature. We, we cannot uh, uh, be on top of everything all the time and just wonderful and everything. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I wish that were possible. It's just uh, uh, human nature being what it is, keeps us from being totally obedient to God in the way that we should be. 
And here it says, Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. Now, in the south was a desert area in the land of Israel. And uh, being surrounded by mountains and all of those other things that were around, you would get snow on the mountains. The snow would melt. And it would cause streams to run down the side of those mountains that would appear in the springtime. Now, what happened later in the dry season, in the summer? Those streams would dry up. And the application that I would like to put forth today is there are times in our life when we get dried up. There are times in our life when the blessings flow. Amen? There are times in our life, there's just cycles that we go through as human beings. If we were to take a poll here, and I don't believe in opinion polls, I'm tired of opinion polls. Uh, what I want us to do is get to what God said. Amen. I'll take his opinion over anybody else's or everybody else's all put together. But if we were to just go through and say, dry or wet, dry or wet, dry or wet, dry or wet, you know, we'd get dozens of different answers on both sides. Amen. Because there are some of us that are just living in the blessings and some of us that are going through the dry times. It says here, Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now we get to the last two verses. And here's the answer. And, and by the way, this is the answer in the time of blessings, just as much as it is in the time of trial. It is the answer all of the time. Verses 5 and 6. It says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And of course, the picture here, this is a poem. It's a song that was meant to be sung. And the picture is the farmer going out to plant the field and and as he goes out and he plants the field, it is hard work. Now, how many of you uh, uh, today, how many here have actually gone out? I'm not talking about, you know, we call a garden something about half the size of the platform up here. Uh, that's not a garden, all right? That's a spot, a garden spot, we might say. Uh, uh, a small garden, okay? would be the size of this auditorium. You could not raise enough food in a garden the size of this auditorium to feed your family for a year. Think about it. How many quarts of tomatoes do you go through in a year? How many cans of tomato paste? Do you know how many? It, it takes a whole lot of tomatoes to make one little can of tomato paste. Uh, if you ever have any questions, you just get a pot of tomatoes and let it boil down until it looks like paste. Uh, You'll start out with a great big pot and get a little dot at the bottom. I mean, that's just the way it works, my friend. Uh, they had a few years ago, they tried this uh, wilderness family thing, and they took these families out of the city, and they, they told them, you've got to chop a lot of wood to keep the fire going during the winter. 
and they had some, it was some stupid contest I heard about it. They may even televise it. I don't follow those things, but you know what? They, I, I do remember what the thing was. If those families I, that they did this whole thing with, had any one of them had been in a real wilderness setting, all of them would not have made it through the winter. Uh, they would have froze to death, starved to death, or all of the above before springtime came. It takes a lot of work to raise enough food to support just your own family. And we, we've gotten so far away from that. I mean, I don't, I remember when I was a kid, we, we raised, um, all of the tomatoes, all of the corn, all of the potatoes, uh, all of the vegetables that we would eat in a year. And uh, we had two garden spots. Uh, one of them was t uh, twice the size of this auditorium. Another one was three-quarters of the size. I mean, we had, we had quite, quite a big place. And there was only five people in our family. And, uh, but we liked to eat. So uh, there was just a lot of food consumed there, but uh, not any more than anyone else. I'll tell you, it was a daily thing to raise that food. And by the way, we didn't raise the wheat for the flour and sugar and all that stuff. I mean, that was just vegetables. I mean, it was a lot of work. And right here it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. Now, we have the planting of the seed... We have the process of the growing of the seed, and then we have the harvest. That takes time. And what, we, what I want us to do this morning is just go through these things. Number one, if you're going to plant seed, you've got to get seed first. Amen? Now, in those days, you didn't go down to Southern States Feed Supply and buy your seed. You had to go get the seed somewhere. Most of the time, you saved it from the crop that you had the year before. And if you did not have seed, guess what? You didn't plant it, you didn't eat, and you didn't live. Now, we read in our Bibles in 1 Peter 1.23 that we're not born with a corruptible seed, but the incorruptible by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You want the seed? Right here is the seed. You say, how do I get the seed to plant? Well, you got to take it out of here and put it in here. And then you got to let it filter from in here out there. Amen. That's where you get the seed. Now, as we take that seed, number one, it brings salvation in our life. Amen. That is where it starts. If you do not have the seed growing in your life to eternal life, you have nothing. Don't worry about the rest of this sermon until you get saved first. Because without believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you have no hope of eternal life. Now, you can, you can be unsaved and pass out gospel tracts and tell other people. In fact, I could tell you dozens of stories of unsaved people who are uh, the direct result of somebody else getting saved. That's a wonderful thing. God will use anybody, amen? But when you stand before God, you're not going to be able to say, well, I passed out all those gospel tracts and those people got saved. Why ain't I saved? Because you never made it personal to you. You've got to take the seed out of the, out of the bin. You've got to put it in the heart. This book will change you. Amen? That's what we need. This book will do the work. We read in the book of Hosea, it talks about breaking up the fallow ground. Now, again, we don't plant, we don't grow our own food. We, we just uh, are so far removed from that. This idea of fallow ground makes no sense to most of us today. But fallow ground is good, fertile soil that has been left dormant. Nothing's been done. You know what happened to a good farmer's field when he doesn't sow any seed, he doesn't plow it up? That dirt gets hard. You know what grows in hard dirt? Weeds. Packed earth will not grow good fruit. Oh, you might get a spindly little tomato plant or a corn stalk or two left over from last year, but you're not going to get anything worth having or any abundance. It's not going to provide for you. And the thing that we need to just take a few moments today is say, hey, wait a minute. What parts of my life have I just left fallow? Have I not used for the Lord? Where have I not been obedient to where God has been? And the key is, not a one of us. I mean, if, if we were to list all the problems in our life and say, now God, I need to fix all of these problems, not a one of us could address every problem that is in our life all at the same time, even right now. And everybody should say, oh me, because that's where we are, if we're honest today. But here's where you go. You start where you're at, amen? You take the seed that God gives you one bit at a time. And you start being obedient where you are. And that's how that fallow ground, that unused part of your life, gets broken up and prepared in one of the most quoted verses in modern time out of the Old Testament is Second Chronicles 7.14 where God was speaking to His people Israel. He said, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and pray, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. How many of you would like to see America healed? I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But it won't happen until God's people start getting the seed and breaking up the unused, the fallow ground in their life and getting where God wants you to be. Then we can plant the seed. Amen? One of the biggest excuses today is, oh, I'd be a Christian 
But I met that person over there and they said they're a Christian and they did this and they did that. It's awful. But if you're here today and you're one of those that's looking at people that have done stuff, let me just plead with you. Please don't let someone else's sin send you to hell, okay? Please don't let someone else's hatred or someone else's hypocrisy or someone else's foolishness, someone else's, uh, the word sin, keep you from doing what God wants you to do. God's Word is still true in spite of what everybody else does. Amen? So we've got to get that seed. But it tells us that we're supposed to sow in tears. Now that's a tough verse. That's a tough phrase. We don't like to cry. And if you do like to cry... See me after service. We'll set up some counseling. We'll do whatever we can to help you get over that problem because that's just not the way we ought to be. Amen? Yet, here is what the Bible says. It says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Now, there is some incredibly hard work involved in trying to plant that seed, but I have to tell you today, the work has to be of God and not of us. It has to be done God's way, and that's where the tears come in. And, and there's, there's many things. I mean, there are people out there that you can say, cry. <laughs> and I mean, tears are rolling down their street face, and they, they can just cry at the uh, drop of a hat. Um, Let's see, I don't see Hannah in here. She's in the children's church. But all I have to do to Hannah is look at her crossways. And the tears start coming. I mean, she just got a tender heart. I hope it stays that way. Most of us. Mean, old, hardened hearts. Hmm? I mean, I'm preaching with you this morning, not at you. Our hearts get hard. Tears that are real don't come easy. They have to be sought. They have to be worked for. David, let me just read you Psalm chapter 6, verse 6. It says, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed to swim. I water my couch talking about his bed with my tears. There have been many people that have cried themselves to sleep over the most foolish and worthless things in the world. That's not the kind of tears it's talking about here. It's talking about the kind of tears that are real and have a purpose and have a reason there's, there's, there are reasons to have sorrow of the heart when we have loved ones who are unsaved. That ought to break your heart. 
That ought to bring tears to your eyes as, as we think about that person that we know and love. And if, if they were to die today, if we were to be separated, we know that we would be separated for eternity because they know not the Savior. Paul talked about tears in the service of the Lord. Let's turn Second Timothy chapter one and verse four and just read that. Second Timothy Paul is writing to Timothy, his young man that he trained in the ministry here. And Paul says, greatly desiring to see thee. He says, I just want to see you, Timothy. He says, I'm mindful of your tears, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. There are struggles in this life. There is things that God wants us to do. There is no easy way to be obedient to the words of this book. We, we live in a, in a life where, in a, in a culture where we think that we're still waiting for our fairy godmother to show up and wave her magic wand and everything's going to be on easy street. I'm sorry, you ain't got no fairy godmother. She's not coming. There's no magic wand. You want blessings? You get sowing this seed called the Word of God. And it says you're going to reap with joy. You get out there and the, and the picture is the plowing of the field. They didn't have tractors and all of those things like we do today. How many know what a good old shovel is? I mean, when I was a young man, uh, our, our little rotor tiller was broken and my dad says, well, you have to do it the old-fashioned way. I said, what's that? He gave me a shovel. He said, now dig up the garden. I said, Dad, you don't understand. He says, yes, I do. He says, I got a bad heart. He says, you got a good one. Now go out there and get some exercise. It was only a space about the size of the auditorium. Shovel's only this wide. I survived, amen? I was better for it when it was all done. Uh, where there's some tears in service, oh, you better believe it. I'm never going to get done. Never. He says, you'll be finished before you're married. He was right. In fact, you'll be surprised how quickly you can move with a spade if you put your mind and a little bit of heart into it. Amen. And a few blisters and all of those good things. It can be done. But there's got to be some work. You know, there's suffering. Solomon said, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of such as were oppressed. And they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors was power, but they had no comforter. Today's newspaper, isn't it? Are there not oppressed people today? Are there not people who have power that go out and take advantage of others? 
history of mankind is man's hatred for other human beings and mistreatment of them. You let God know about that. He'll take care of it. You just keep sowing the seed. You see, we let all of these things take our attention off of the job at hand. And then we miss the harvest because the seed wasn't planted. How about the tears of struggle? Sometimes it's struggle with ourselves. Do you remember Mark chapter 9 when the man brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus and Jesus said, if, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And he said to Jesus, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Hey, it, the Bible says that he said those words with tears. He wanted his son to be made well, but he, he had come to the end of what he could believe and what he could trust. He had been uh, disappointed by everybody and everything. And when he finally got to the truth, he wasn't so sure it was truth anymore. And Jesus said, you just believed. He said, help thou my unbelief. He just kept planting the seed. And he took his son home well, didn't he? There are many instances in the Bible where it talks about tears. Tears of sincerity. 2 Corinthians 2, four says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly to you. I mean, there were problems in the Corinthian church. Paul said, I wept over those problems as I wrote those words because I wanted you to change and serve God. And guess what happened? The Corinthians changed and served God. Amen? It talks about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5. And we just covered this in, in the prophecies of Jesus, how through great supplication and tears he prayed. Now, if Jesus, our Savior, prayed with mighty tears and supplications unto God while He lived here on this earth, would it not behoove us to imitate that just a little bit? But you know what the world's going to do? Here's what Job said. My friends scorn me, but my eye poureth out tears unto God. It says that if we'll sow in tears, we'll reap in joy. Now let's go back to Psalm 126. And we're going to finish that last verse. And it says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, it says, shall doubtless... Now, that, I love that little word, doubtless. That means without a doubt, without any opportunity to change this thing, it is going to happen. There is no need to worry about it, be concerned about it. It is the natural and the uh, outcome of this thing, and you're not going to change that. It said, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Now, one of our problems is we like the end of this thing. We don't like the tears, we like the rejoicing. Amen? I mean, that's just the way we are as human beings. 
I like the rejoicing part. I mean, we're going to have a dinner this afternoon. And uh, I haven't been downstairs to see anything yet because I wanted to be able to concentrate on the message this morning. Amen? Uh, but uh, I've heard all kinds of things going down there, and I think it's going to be uh, a, a time of rejoicing and a time of, of uh, fun and fellowship, and, and uh, we want to enjoy that time together. But there's got to be that time of tears that precedes the rejoicing. It says, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, this idea of the sheaves is the harvest. Amen? That is gathering in of the work that was done. And I'll tell you, I know of few things that life has to offer that are better than in the middle of December just popping open a can of home canned whatever. We used to grow, my dad's favorite vegetable to grow was purple hall peas. Now, you only see them every once in a while, but they're a great big yellow pea pod about that long and they got little purple lines over them, and there's a bunch of beans inside of there. And you have to open up that, that shell and pick all of those beans out of there. And my mom used to can them in butter. About 11 o'clock at night, my dad said, Pete, come here. Go down and get a jar of beans. And I'd go down and get a jar of beans, and we'd open it up, and he'd, he'd have half, and I'd have the other half, and we'd just sit there. And I'll tell you, hog heaven, Amen. Uh, I mean, it was a wonderful experience. You know, I was glad for all the sweat and all the work and all the toil all year long in the middle of winter to enjoy that bowl of beans. They never did taste so good. And maybe that's one of the reasons why they don't taste as good as they used to is because I didn't go out and work for them. I just went down to the corner and bought them. And maybe that's what the Lord's talking about here in this little psalm. Amen. That there's rejoicing bringing His sheaves with Him. The joy of that reward. How many of you have had the privilege? Don't raise your hands this morning. I just want you to think about it in your heart. How many of you have had the privilege of talking or helping, or having a part, let me say this, in bringing someone else to the knowledge of the Savior. You remember back to that time when that person you prayed with, you pled with, finally said, I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior. You talk about joy. There's joy, amen? When you get to heaven, there's not much you're going to take with you but the people that God has used you to help bring into the kingdom of God, you're going to take that with you. Amen? You're going to enjoy the fellowship of them for all eternity. And you're not going to be looking at yourself saying, wow, look at, look at what I did. No. You're going to be looking at Jesus saying, look what He did. Amen? 
That's the proper attitude and that's the proper heart. And as we look through this psalm this morning, it says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, just a few questions and then we'll be done this morning. Some things to think about, some things to apply. We want to be able to take this book called the Bible home with us. Do you have the seed today? Are you born again the Bible way? Each person in this room must answer that question for themselves. Not, do you go to church? Not, have you been baptized? Not, are you good as the person sitting beside you or, or better than the person sitting across the aisle? Have you personally been born again the Bible way? That's where it starts. It is a personal relationship between you and God. You say, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, chances are then you've never been born again. It's that simple. It's putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just believing what God said about you. Number one, you can't save yourself. You're a sinner. You're separated from God. That Jesus did all of the work on the cross for you. And that you must put your faith and trust in Him alone to save you. Now, let's move on. You're saved. How much seed do you have to take with you? If you're going to plant it, you've got to have some. Amen? That's why we pass out the Bible reading schedules. We want you to read this book every day. And just because you read your Bible reading schedule doesn't mean your seed bin's going to be full. Uh, you've got to do more than just read it. Amen? Uh, you got to do more than just go through it. I mean, you got to take it out. You've got to let it flow through you. That's what God's Word does. That's what living for Jesus is all about. you got to get the seed. But it says, you're to sow in tears. Now, that means we've got to open ourselves up a little bit to allow us to be affected by what's going on around us. That's a painful process. Tears of sorrow, tears of service, of, stru of, of struggle, of suffering, tears of sincerity, tears of supplication, and tears of scorn. They're all there. But if we'll sow in tears and not allow those things to make us cover up and try to protect ourselves and hide ourselves. Somebody else will get the job done. That's what preachers for. That's why we support missionaries, so they can plant the seed. Yeah, that's why we support missionaries. Because you can't go where the missionaries go. Amen? But you better start planting some seed around here or you're not going to have any joy. 
Amen? And we've got to look into this world and look at our friends and ask God to give us the ability. And it says that there, it doubtless we're going to come again with rejoicing. Because God wants to do great things. Now, please, we're not talking... I hate to do this, but you just got to. We're not talking about Joel Olstein feeling good every morning and having a brand new Cadillac in the driveway. I'm sorry. That's not what this rejoicing is talking about. It's, it's not just having everything you want. God's not interested in what you want, my friend. God's interested in giving you real joy that's going to last for all eternity in a real place called heaven, knowing that God has used you to help real souls escape a real place called hell. Now, if you'd rather have a new car than help somebody out of hell, there's something wrong with you, my friend. If you'd rather have money in the bank than seeing somebody get saved, there's something wrong with what's going on inside your heart. That's the reaping. That's the sheaves. It's souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a church today, I ask us, we need to think about sowing in tears that we can reap in joy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You Lord, we look at these words and they're hard words, Lord. They don't come easy to us. These are not what comes naturally to us as human beings. It, uh, these, these, these words were not penned with, with our feelings and our desires in mind. Yet, Lord, if we could just grab a hold of them and obey them, they're, they're really the answer to the dry times in our life. They're the answer to our failures. They're the answer to our successes. They're the answer to our joys. They're, they're, it's just the answer, regardless of what the question is. Lord, I just ask that You would work and be glorified in our midst. Lord, that You would give us tears for the lost. That You would give us the ability to struggle through the tears, not to be dissuaded by the tears. And Lord, not to become as some are that just uh, grow so accustomed to pain that they like it. That's not what Your Word is saying. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to grab a hold of these words. Let them seep off the pages into our heart and filter out through our hands and our feet that we may bear that precious seed, that we may sow it in tears. And Lord, have the promise of reaping in joy. We ask that you 
would do your work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.